now take two. Let's take go ahead two. and get started. Okay. All right. I'm Rhonda Elizabeth. And I'm Aaron Stallworth, and you're listening to The Dap Project, a podcast that explores politics and culture through Dap, the Black man's most nuanced and telling gesture. We are still cooking up our fourth season of The Dap Project podcast and look forward to bringing it to you soon. But today, we're coming to you to shine the spotlight on the work of a member of the TDP family, good brother, minivan dad, and author, Vernon Gibbs. Vernon, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Good to be back with you guys. So we see you out here writing books and we're excited to have you on to talk about your latest project, I'm Dreaming of a Brown Christmas. So this is a remix of the Christmas song, White Christmas. Tell us more, tell us all about it. So yeah, so um, I was on, you know, I talked about my first book, which was a little bit about fruit and eating healthy. And then this second project that we're working on uh, really started with, uh, my cousin, who, who was, in the, you've seen some of the art and the art is just amazing. He's done a really great job of, you know, bringing um, all these characters and all these images to life. But it just started as um, an incident with him, with his daughters, maybe, well, I think when the movie Tangled came out, it's a Disney movie. And there was a scene in there where they talk about um, going to like a seedy bar and the character says something along the lines of, it has the scent of brown in here or something like that. And it really, rubbed him the wrong way so he you know he walked out with his children he didn't feel comfortable kind of that even being in a movie to say the color you know the brown the scent of it it was dirty and all that kind of stuff so it sat with him for a while and he thought about how to kind of get this image of the the beauty of a brown color of brown skin of brown foods all those things and he just started thinking about white christmas he's a songwriter himself he had a career um in the music industry years ago in a group called four by four. So he had a couple of top 10 hits and all that kind of stuff. So he's always been a musician and he just wanted to find a way to really put out the image of the, the beauty of brown skin out there. And again, white Christmas kind of popped into his head and he said, you know what, what if I kind of rewrote this and kind of put my own spin on it? So he just started writing it, um, I think about a year or two ago and it's been kind of sitting in his files with a million other creative things that he's done. So we just kind of, you know, we're working on it. I helped him with some of the lyrics. He did all the art and the formatting and everything. And we decided, you know what, let's do a Kickstarter for it. We weren't really planning on doing a Kickstarter, but we said, you know what, if we get people interested in the project, you know, what I love about Kickstarter is that's a crowdfunding. So everyone gets involved in the process and feels like they could be part of making, you know, a great project happen. And, you know, it's been doing really well. You know, we're really happy with where we're going and we have a couple more days, you know, it ends on uh, July 13th. So we're hoping that we get there and then we can start the printing now. We're doing it now because if you want a book by Christmas, about Christmas, you definitely mm -hmm. want to start the printing now. All kinds of pickups can come along the way. So we definitely want to do the focus of the outreach now to get it done in time for then. And um, that, you know, that's kind of where we are now. Well, I love the concept. I'm, I was excited <laughs> to join in on the Kickstarter. Uh, tell us why uh, reimagining this story is important to you. Well, you know, um, I, like I said, my cousin had come up with the initial idea and I felt like as a, you know, my first book was really just focused on kind of a more universal message around the fruit and eating healthy. And when he came with this concept, I said, you know what, I'm a black father, I'm a black man, and I need to be able to put those images out there of the beauty of Brown. And I said, you know, this is a project that I think is going to be very popular, that people are going to get behind. And sometimes with certain projects, you say, oh, you know, a title like that can, um, make people not want to buy it. Oh, I'm thinking of a brown Christmas. It's not for me. 
But the images inside are very inclusive. And at a certain point, you know, they always talk about books and being either window books or uh, mirror books. You know, it was a book, um, a mirror is one where you're looking in on a world that you're not familiar with, as opposed to a mirror book where you're looking at a world that kind of reflects you. And um, this really reflects us as black men and as the things that we've seen and grown up with, but also it gives us a chance to put out those beautiful images of black and brown people so that people um, can see them and feel like, okay, you know what? Um, this might not be my world, but I accept that world and maybe I can be part of it or I can still support it, even though it might not necessarily reflect who I am or what I'm seeing in my daily life. So I think uh, while you might say certain people, oh, they don't wanna buy the book because there's a black kid on the cover or that kind of thing. Well, then there's nothing you can really do about that. You know, you have to say to someone, oh, do you like the message that it's putting out there? And if you do, buy the book. That's what we want you to support it in that way. Um, you know, I buy a Dr. Seuss book that doesn't necessarily reflect my, you know, my feelings on right, right. green eggs and ham, you know, so, so it's like, you know, <laughs> or some of the other things you see. So it's like, you know what? It's about the beauty of Christmas. It has a great images um, of choirs. It has images of um, Jesus and kids in the play and all these things we haven't even haven't been able to show yet. But I think it just has a really, Christmas has a universal, I think, appeal. And I think hopefully, um, while uh, black and brown people will flock to it. We want people of all colors to really embrace it and its message. And White Christmas is a, a well-known song. So we felt kind of giving it that pacing and that feeling to it kind of gets people, maybe they start humming to themselves, I'm dreaming of a brown Christmas, who knows? But um, I think it's just a great opportunity to really put these beautiful images out there. And I'm just you know really glad that you know, I get to work with my cousin on another project and you know do, um, do more projects like this. Yeah. You just said a whole lot. And <laughs> I'm not talking about the words that you use. I just mean some of the phrases and the insights that you offered. So as you were speaking, I was thinking about that notion of if you see a brown cover, a brown face on the cover, then maybe you think it's not for you. Speaking mm -hmm. to someone who is outside of the black and brown community. And I think that is so, um, that is deeply the problem with publishing and with publishing, looking and defining who's an audience and what does the audience want to see? Mm -hmm. Because black and brown people buy books with white people on the cover all the time. And don't even think twice about it. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it is the society and that is mainstream society, that is society in which we are raised. And so we're accustomed to it, but why not also get accustomed to buying books with people on brown cover, with brown people on the cover, if you are not a black or brown person, because they right. can look at that person and see an adorable child and see a child, period, that they can relate to. My kids would just look at it, you know, my kids talk about their friends, they tend to talk about their hair color or what they do. Oh, you know, my friend on the soccer team or that, they're not saying, oh, my black friend, my white friend. It seems like that's something that, you know, as adults, we kind of put people into those um, categories. And, you know, that's something that I think that kids, again, they'll see a kid on the cover. They might not necessarily, unless they've been instilled to say, oh, is that a black kid on the cover? I know they might just say, oh, that's a cute looking kid or that's a cute um, girl on the cover or a redhead or a blonde or that kind of thing. So I think that that's definitely something um, we as adults kind of, um, kind of, you know, put onto, onto kids and people need to say, oh, that's a good looking kid on the cover. I like the way it looks. I'm going to pick up the book. Not, oh, it's a black kid. It's not a book for me. Right. Yeah. And it's okay to instill in your children. I think I'm not a parent. I always have to give that disclaimer. 
um, a sense of seeing a person's complexion. It's the meaning that you put behind it that really influences the way the child sees that color. You can say, look at their beautiful brown skin. Exactly. Not, yeah, don't put them as like they're a black kid or this, like you kind of embrace that difference, but don't make it the reason that they are, you know, um, in a separate category than you. There's a kid, um, Asian or whatever it is, you know, you, you know, you recognize that you don't want to be colorblind because then all of a sudden, you know, that leads to a whole bunch of other things. But yeah, you definitely have to, in my kids, you have to instill that as well. So we want yeah, to I, ask a, oh, sorry, Anne, go right ahead. No, I was going to say, I love, and I love that, in, you know, in TV and film, the huge success of Black Panther, uh, Jamie Foxx redid Annie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're about to have a reboot of the Wonder Years. It's going to have a Black cast. So Amazing. definitely this needs to be trickling into the literary and book world just the same. So I, I love uh, what yeah. you're doing and how this, how this is coming about. Yeah. And the Wonder Years, you mentioned the Wonder Years. Just, I, that was like, you know, as a kid, that was my favorite show growing up. You know, one of my favorite shows, just the music and the feel and everything. And although it didn't have a lot of people of color on it, you know, I watched it and said, you know, that's a, a, a fun family and that kind of thing. So it's great that they're taking an opportunity to take a show like that and say, you know, we're going to put a black family into this situation and show their, um, their view on life. So I think it's, you know, we're moving in the right direction. Um, a couple of quick details about your Kickstarter campaign before we get into a few other questions, because you yeah. want folks to hear early on what the campaign is about and how they can support it so we can get to the finish line. Um, how far along are you? I saw that you guys have made tremendous progress in reaching your goal. Yes, it's, um, it's a shorter than usual campaign because of the printing times. We want to make sure that we get the you know information to the printer in time for the holidays. But it's been a two-week campaign. It ends on July 13th. Um, the goal is $8,500, and a majority of that is going to go to the actual printing of the 2,000 books. Um, the you know the Kickstarter gets their 10% cut, so after you do all those things, there's not like, you know, we're not walking away with hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, you might have a couple hundred dollars, but then we have to pay for shipping and storage and all those kinds of things. So right now we're at it. I think we just crossed the $6,000 mark. And we have about four or five days to go. And I know a lot of people have said, oh, I'm going to get to it. And I know, and when I do Kickstarters, I kind of flag it to get to it. And sometimes I'll do it within the last week or so. So we understand that people haven't done it yet. But, you know, the best way they can do it is just go online to, you know, Kickstarter, search for I'm Dreaming of a Brown Christmas, and it'll pop up. It's been picked as a um, Kickstarter project we love, which is something they give to just certain, you know, they have hundreds of Kickstarters that are being started on there. And they pick certain ones that they really um, want to help out and just give um, kind of a stamp of approval for them uh, to those projects that they really think are really creative. So we need folks to come through, give them some good depth in the form of support for this campaign to close that $2,000 goal. And we know you are going to hit it. So that just answered Aaron's question about how listeners can help you to... Mm-hmm. reach your goal mm-hmm. is to put that in there. Yeah. Um, I remember that you studied architecture as yeah. an undergrad, but mm-hmm. now you are creating books with a child in mind, doing the illustration and the writing. Mm-hmm. So how do you get into the mindset of a child to know what they're, what they would like to read and how their voice sounds and what images would be appealing to them? Yeah, um, I'm lucky. I have three kids and they all, also the books that I've been working on or have ideas for are around their age groups. I haven't really looked at 
you know, books for young adults because I don't have kids that are in that. So it's kind of a stretch for me. But having kids and having so many books around helps. You know, I'm able to look at other books and say, oh, what's appealing about this? Why is this the number one bestseller? What is it about this that makes it appealing to kids of, you know, from the elementary school age to middle school? And um, I've had that opportunity with the kids just in reading the books to them and in sometimes just throwing ideas at them for other books. Now, what do you think of this? You know, they think about a sequel to the fruit book. And my, <laughs> one time we um, had some meat in the refrigerator that we had left in there a little too long. So we had to throw it out. And he said, oh, what about a book, you know, When Good Meat Goes Bad? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a short book, all right? Right, right. <laughs> Go that, throw it in the garden, get it out of the house. That's, that's the end. So, um, so I get a lot of ideas from them. And, you know, they're watching shows on Netflix and they're watching different things. So I kind of see, you know, what's appealing to them. Um, and it really helps in the creative process. Sometimes I'll think of an idea and just write it down. Or I have a file of like 50 different ideas that I have. I'll just put it there and come back to it. And, you know, once I've had more thoughts around it, whether it makes sense. So many times with books, um, authors want to do something that's too personal to them. So it makes it hard for it to sell to everyone. I felt like the fruit book was one that's universal. You know, it has the fruit. So you're not drawing necessarily people and faces. You're drawing things that everyone can relate to. And sometimes people will draw something that's specific to, oh, I went on a camping trip with my son. So I went to do a book about it. And then when it sells like 50 copies, they're like, oh, why is no one buying it? It's like, well, not everyone can necessarily relate to the subject matter, it's too personal. So I felt like with the Christmas book, it was an opportunity again, you know, most people like Christmas um, and there are a lot of, <laughs> you, know, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't celebrate it, I, I, which I understand. But, um, you know, even the images I think are just so well done that I think someone who just doesn't appreciate, someone who appreciates art would enjoy the book and see how well, um, you know, we put it together. And, you know, we're a two person team, we formed an LLC a couple of months ago to kind of make everything official because it was publishing and media. And, you know, we're looking to do a lot more projects. We do it in a little bit of time that we have, but, you know, we have a lot of other ideas that we're hoping that we have the time. Once this gets done and we, you know, reach the Kickstarter goal, then we'll say, okay, what's the next project? We have a TV show pilot we're working on as well that I'm going to be showing um, pretty soon after the Kickstarter that we were able to put together right. um, based on some of the stuff that we've been doing for the fruit book and other things. So, you know, it's exciting. So we're doing a lot of fun things but having kids around helps me kind of find that voice we went to the library last uh you probably might have seen it on my facebook and you know we went in there for the first time in a while and we said what's the limit on how many books and they said 50 so you give a kid 50 they're going to try to take out 50 <laughs> so we ended right. up with about 45 <laughs> books that we have to make sure we keep track of because you know you don't want to pay those library fines and um and you know they love reading so it helps that they just have a love of reading that i always had as a kid and they're reading every day and um once you instill that in your kids early it makes it easier to kind of talk to them about what they're reading about and what um you know what relates to them and what would make them laugh what would they want to see in a book so they're like my focus group so i like you know, you know it's nice to have three kids around the age of the books that i'm looking to make yeah i want to throw a stat out there for the listeners and viewers i mean it's historically has been an amazing void uh, in books and literature uh, from diverse folks, uh, such as yourself, uh, from women and all, all people of color for that matter. Uh, Lee and Low Books released a diversity baseline survey back in 2019, saying that 79% of respondents identified as white, 78% were women, 88% were straight, 92% were non-disabled. At a time when readers of all backgrounds were demanding to see themselves in books, the publishing industry came to nowhere near reflecting the rich diversity of the United States. 
Uh, so Rhonda, you, you wanted to follow up a little bit on that, but, but that's that just showing that um, America is an incredibly diverse uh, country, but when you go to a library or when you go to a bookstore historically, it's changing a bit, but, yeah. but it's still nowhere near where it should be. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think on, on that, just on that note, I think what has helped a little bit is that you have, um, it's, it's funny, it's good and bad for the industry as far as like when you have celebrities who are putting out kids books, because it gets them, it gets, you know, someone like um, Gabrielle Union has a book. And then um, the girl who's, who's named um, from Black Panther has a book out as well. And, you know, it's great because they're getting, you know, black and brown faces out there onto the shelves. It's just tough because, you know, sometimes they're getting these, they're getting it just because of their fame. But I'm glad they're using their fame to kind of get the message out there and get these books out there and get them published. So I've even, you know, I've tweeted um, Gabrielle Union, you know, I'm trying to, you know, see where I can get some inroads with those kind of celebrities who have books and maybe they want to, you know, share the book, LeVar Burton, uh, you know, reach out to those um, kind of folks just to see if they have interest in just looking at the book, even if they don't support it, at least if they're made aware of it, then it helps our cause. And, you know, the more faces that we see on bookshelves so that it doesn't become such a, a, a thing like, oh, look at that. There's a, you know, brown kid on the cover. You want it to be the point where you're like, you know, you see them. It's part of just the fabric of going into Barnes and Nobles and going, you don't have to just go to black bookstores or um, right. black publishers to get these books published. So I think this uh, the celebrity status has helped get some of these books out there. Uh, but, you know, we still have a long way to go, but it's going, you know, it's trending in the right direction. Hopefully it won't just be a trend. It'll become more than normal as we go on. Yeah, the challenge with, um, with the celebrity books being published and being so popular is that it gives the impression that there is a proportionate number of black books in the bookstore, yeah. but it's not. So simply yeah, because- I call it the Oprah effect. Right, simply <laughs> right. because the books are omnipresent does not mean that there is proportionate representation. So there may be one Gabrielle Union with Shady Baby, but there are still 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 other yeah. white authors whose books are on the shelves. Or if there's Matthew Cherry's book, um, mm -hmm. Hair Love. Yeah. But again, that's one, one. author. <laughs> right. So it right. doesn't solve the problem of representation of proportional representation. Um, Absolutely. And I've yeah. read in other uh, articles and have talked with friends who are writing books and they will hear from publishers. Well, we have our Jason Reynolds, for example, do you need Angie Thomas? Two completely different styles of writing, perspective, mm -hmm. points of view, mm -hmm. but it just speaks to how the, the idea of tokenism still pervades many industries, including the publishing industry. So that's why we're really excited about your media company. First, it's called Cuzzos. So <laughs> there we go. First name and, we came up with. He's like, what about Cuzzos? I was like, we're cousins. It's a company. Sure, let's go with it. It just works. So we're just like, let's yeah. stick with it. And it's so family because we yeah. have a cousin and his name is basically Cuzzo. Oh, there's so there's, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. He's basically yeah. uh, Cuzzo as our cousin. And yeah. so um, do you have other subjects? You were talking about how your children are your inspiration. Mm -hmm. Is there anything from your childhood or your past or the present day that you feel really needs to be addressed in a children's book or a subject that you'd like to tackle in a children's book? Um, yeah, we've had um, a couple of ideas we've been throwing around. You know, you kind of look at the 
um, the, what's popular now. So you see, oh, there's stuff about unicorns, there's stuff about dragons and all those things, you know, because that's always, you know, you know, do you want to put out a book that's just very commercial and that people are going to say, oh, it has a dragon on it, I want to get it. So we've thought about those ideas, but one area we've been looking at a lot is stuff around STEM and STEAM, you know, um, science, technology. Usually it's called science, technology, engineering, and math but it also has the art element. So you can call it mm -hmm. STEAM. So we're looking at some, you know, some books around how to get kids more interested in STEAM at a younger age. Uh, a lot of people say that, you know, you kind of, when you're in school, you learn the sciences in a very basic way that gets you ready for like a test. But the, you know, the idea of applying it in everyday life, whether you're, you know, you have carpentry, which is, this, you know, a sense of engineering, you know, tactile and you know, those kinds of things. So we're thinking about some books and some ideas around those concepts, because I feel like that's something that, a lot of people, um, you know, you don't learn it very early. You tend to learn those kind of concepts, you know, middle school and high school, you know, you're taking chemistry and biology. But I think there's a great opportunity to get kids into that early. And whether it's books that focus on kind of getting outside and, you know, understanding how photosynthesis works with plants or digging and, you know, engineering and those kinds of things. I think that would be really a fun, um, fun concept to tackle. So that's kind of what we're looking at next. And then, you know, just some other ideas with, you um, uh, not more fruit books, uh, probably something else that extends that to talk a little bit about other healthy eating options. And we're looking to do um, a curriculum actually around the fruit books. So talking a little bit about some of the different points that it covers, whether it's, you know, how do you eat healthy? What does that look like? Um, what does it mean to create waste and kind of the progress of you throw an apple in the garbage? Where does it go from there? It doesn't just go into a portal where it just disappears. You know, the idea of understanding, oh, it goes to a landfill. What's a landfill? Oh, it's this place where, you know, you, you, you know, if you show people kind of the stats around food waste in this country, it'll blow your mind. I mean, it's actually just kind of frightening how much good food is thrown out, not just stuff that's a little like perfectly good edible food that just gets thrown out. And I think that's um, an area that we'd like to use the fruit book to tackle in schools where they're talking about recycling and how to, you know, create healthy meals for kids and how to you know, make healthy options when you go to the store, going to the grocery store with a list as opposed to just going in there and buying whatever. Because if you go with the list, you tend to be a little bit more focused. I go in with my kids without a list. I end up with a $400 bill and so many Pop-Tarts that I don't know what to do with, which they don't eat. <laughs> you know, so, so, um, so we're looking at, you know, kind of more, um, more stuff, expanding the fruit curriculum to be more of a curriculum that we can bring into schools and really make it part of the conversation. Um, about how to eat healthy, create less waste, but also that self-love and understanding that we're all brown and we're all, we all, you know, not all, we're all brown, but we all have bruises and we have injuries. We have things that we've dealt with in our life, but that doesn't mean that we should be thrown in the, in the garbage. It doesn't mean that we don't have value and we don't have worth. So really focusing on those concepts so that we just be going to school and talk to 200 kids and say, you have value, you have worth. Don't let those you know, impediments and those things that you are letting bring you down um, define you. You know, so that's um, going to be a big part of what we're doing. And I'm doing that with my wife, who's a child psychiatrist. So she's been talking about that for a while. And she really helped form the fruit book and all the concepts that are in it and kind of talking about emotions and all those kinds of things. So we have a lot on the plate. We're only two of us, but you nice. know, we're getting help from the from the, the wives and from others. So we're looking to really you know build something big here. I'm so glad that you mentioned Trisha because we could not close about this episode 
without or this conversation or any conversation without highlighting the the delight that is your wife i don't think we she and i have met in person but in my mind we are already <laughs> sister friends there so you, you mentioned that you guys are thinking about doing um some projects together or collaborating because she is a a child psychiatrist as you Correct. mentioned maybe yeah. anything about parenting or co-parenting Yes. So we, um, we're thinking about maybe doing a podcast, you know, we're just trying to find the time to do it and record some stuff, kind of the view from the non-professional on my side of the stay at home dad and just what I've experienced. And then her side as a professional, you know, like a half hour, just kind of a back and forth talking about any number of concepts, how to deal with, how to get kids picky eaters, how to deal with, um, you know, having black children and, you know, growing up in this world and the things that we're teaching them. So that's definitely something that we have talked about a lot and we want to do. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, my there goodness. There you have it. Karen, <laughs> you want to close us out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely at the DAP project. I always love to see uh, good DAP personified and husband-wife DAP is exactly that. Uh, so, so we look forward to seeing projects between you and your wife. Uh, but we appreciate you taking some time to share your work with us. Uh, let's click on Kickstarter, everybody at the T in the TDP family. Uh, link is in our IG at the.dap.project. Go to our bio. You will see the Kickstarter link there. And let's contribute to bringing I'm Dreaming of a Brown Christmas to bedtime storybook collections around the world. And just in time for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>